Okay, well today we are continuing our series called Rhythms, and we've been looking at the rhythms of worship, we've looked at work, today we're looking at rest, and next week we're looking at relationships. Uh, Rhythm, we said in week one, is essential to music. You cannot have music without rhythm. Uh, In a similar way, you cannot have a healthy life without these things that we're talking about uh, today. You're You're just wired for it. You need to worship, and you need work, and you need to rest, and you need relationships. And so we talk about the rhythm of rest this week, and God has designed things to, for there to be a rhythm between work and rest. And today, what I want to show you um, is that we need to see rest in the Bible, and then we need to receive rest for ourselves. And so that's, what I, that, that's kind of the bottom line today. We're going to look at several scriptures, and what I want you to do is I want you to see this idea of rest in the Bible, and then I want you to learn to receive rest for yourself. You know, multiple articles and studies have been done to demonstrate that the United States is the most overworked country in the nation, they say. Uh, we're a country that's built on hard work. We pride ourselves in hard work. It's a, it's a cultural value, if you will, uh, to work hard. But we also need to learn to rest well. We need to, as Christians, we need to work hard for the glory of God, and we need to rest well for the glory of God. Did you know that the CDC did a t- study some years ago that stated that one in three Americans do not get enough sleep? Think about that. Uh, when you're out driving on the road, uh, or you're at work, or you're engaging with someone in a, in, in a, at work in, in some sort of deal or something like that, one out of three people haven't gotten enough sleep. Think about this, the effects that has on people emotionally, physically, um, in all sorts of ways, mentally, uh, not having enough sleep is a huge impact. One in three people not getting enough sleep. Let me ask you, do you feel like you rest well? Just answer that in your mind. You don't have to answer it out loud in your home. Do you feel like you work hard? Okay, do you feel like you rest well? Do you regularly have a time that you cease from work for, let's say, at least a 24-hour period? Uh, Do you find yourself constantly working seven days a week? Do you get enough sleep? Do you know how to shut things down and, and to turn off work? And let me ask you this, how do you like to rest? What what are the things that give you rest and that rejuvenate you? You know, like I said at the beginning here, I'm outside. I like being outside. I like to go for a walk. I like to play with the kids in the yard. I like to go to a park. I like to go to the beach. There are things I like to do to rest. I like to play golf. All those things are outside, so I like to do those things. What do you like to do? Maybe, Maybe you work outside, and you like to go inside and lay on your couch. Maybe you work inside a lot like I do, and you like to get outside in the sunshine. But how do you like to rest, and are you getting enough rest? I'm going to walk you through the Bible, and I'm going to show you rest through the lens of um, creation, the law, and the gospel. And then I'm going to talk to you about receiving rest for yourself. So I want you to receive rest in the Bible, receive rest for yourself. So first, let's see rest through the lens of creation. Let me read to you from Genesis 2. This is Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here we see rest through the lens of creation. God creates for six days, and then he chooses, he purposes at the end of it to rest. And at the end of each day, God looks at his creation, and he says, it is good. And then God models rest for his image bearers from the very beginning. And so why is God resting? Well, he's not tired. Omnipotence doesn't need sleep. Omnipotence doesn't get tired. God doesn't grow weary. Uh, Our God does not grow faint. And so he's resting as a model for us, but he's also resting because he's satisfied. 
He's satisfied with his creation. He's enjoying his creation. He's finished with his creation. And he, and he sits back and he rests and he enjoys his creation. And God has designed life uh, to have certain rhythms in it. Remember, we're made in God's image, so we're to reflect and we're to resemble him in certain ways. And so if the creator rests, we should rest. And think about the way he's ordered creation. There's a day and there's a night. Sun comes up, sun goes down, moon comes out. And the society that the Bible was written in, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there wasn't a lot you were getting done at night. It was like God has wired the world to force humanity to slow down, to realize we're not God, and to rest. You know, there's a, you know, kind of an old saying that the boss sets the pace. Maybe in your workplace you can think about this, that, that at the end of the day, that whoever's in charge, they tend to set the pace for everybody else. So if the boss comes in late all the time and leaves early, other people start coming in late and leaving early. If the boss is lazy and doesn't work hard, other people are lazy and work hard. But if the boss comes in, man, on time, he works hard, he's focused, that tends to focus everybody else because the boss sets the pace. Well, the ultimate boss is God. He's the creator. Let me tell you, the creator has set the pace, and he has done so by saying, working six days a week and resting a day, a rhythm of work and rest, and his image bearers need to embrace that. So understand that through this lens of creation. And then when you get to Genesis 3, we know the fall happens, everything changes. Sin enters the world. Man rebels against God. As we saw last week, tons of repercussions come into the world that affect humanity to its very core. We're all now born in sin and the, the world is under this, we experience this curse in creation in our own lives and one of the things that are affected are work, right? And people overwork and they underwork. They're lazy or they, idolatry, uh, they commit idolatry with work. Well, it's also affected rest. People have trouble resting because of their anxieties and their fears and their worries Th things that didn't exist prior to the fall. And so the fall's affected everything. And so now I want you to fast forward with me um, uh, some years and to uh, when after God has chosen his people Israel through Abraham and Israel ends up enslaved, his people in the Old Testament end up enslaved in Egypt. And then after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God raises up Moses to lead them out of slavery. And they end up in the wilderness wandering around for 40 years because of their own disobedience of lack of faith in God. But God provides for him in the wilderness. In fact, he, he rains down, he, he brings manna from heaven in order to provide for their food when they can't have it. He, he makes water come from a rock, right? He provides for them. But when God provides the manna, he says this. He says, I want you to collect the manna six days a week and on the sixth day, collect a double portion because the seventh day is gonna be holy. It's a Sabbath day. It, it's a day of rest. And I, I don't want you collecting on that day. And so God begins to institute this idea. And then God gives the law through Moses. So let's see the idea of rest through the lens of the law and this idea of Sabbath. You, you can't study rest in the Bible and not look at Sabbath. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, in the Ten Commandments, Moses writes, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is Sabbath, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. He goes on to say in verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So here we see that this idea of the law of the Sabbath is rooted in a creation principle of rest. Your creator rested, you'll rest. Well, when you get to Deuteronomy 5.15, the law tells us something else. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here we see the, under the law, the Sabbath was also a time to remember God's salvation, that he had set them free, that he was their savior. 
In Exodus 31, verses 12 and 13, we find something else about the Sabbath under the law. It says, the, law said to, uh, the Lord said to Moses, and it says in verse 13, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So here it's seen as a sign that Israel is God's chosen people. It's a reminder that it is God who sanctifies them and it is God who sets them apart. So what we see here is that in the Old Testament, God commanded, he didn't advise, he commanded his people to observe the Sabbath under that Old Testament law. And this was a, a way, it was a day to honor God's pattern in his creative work, a day to remember God saving them out of slavery and his choice of them as a people, a day to remember that they belonged to God, that he had set them apart of his people, that he was protecting them, that he was providing for them, and that they needed to trust him. And that's what the Sabbath was all about. It was a day of rest from work and trusting God, a day of rest and worship. Now, fast forward with me to the New Testament, and we see rest through the lens of the gospel. See rest through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of Jesus and his person and his work. Uh, Jesus comes on the scene, and he begins to teach about the Sabbath and do things on the Sabbath that the religious leaders of that day really didn't like. Let me read to you an encounter Jesus had with some Pharisees and some religious leaders in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So kind of tell you what's going on here. Whereas the Sabbath law said you can't do any work on the Sabbath day, the traditionalist of that day had said there are 39 things that we say constitute work, right? So God said don't work, and they said, well, here's 39 things that are work. And then the Pharisees interpreted those 39 th things in the harshest way possible. So they had all kinds of attachments to this in ways that they had made this uh, Sabbath day had become a burden, something that was difficult to keep, something that was hard to keep. And they ultimately did this with all of God's laws. They would attach all these other rules to it and they would take laws, God's law and they would make it this burdensome thing that nobody could keep. And they would they would take their rules and exalt them above God's law. So they would rather you break one of God's laws than break one of their rules. And they exalted man-made rules over the law of God. And ultimately, they made the law of God a burden. And they made the Sabbath a burden. See, here, the disciples had done nothing wrong. While it was wrong, uh, and, and Jesus does that by illustrating something that had happened with David, but what, what had happened here is the disciples, they, they were not reaping for profit. The, the law had forbid reaping for profit on the Sabbath, but it wasn't wrong to do what they did. <laughs> the Pharisees are equating grabbing a snack as you walk through a field with doing the work of reaping a field. It's not the same thing. So Jesus is correcting them here. They had not broken God's law. They had merely offended the Pharisees' rules. That's two totally different things. See, the Pharisees had this habit of nitpicking and, and getting God's laws out of order and, and nitpicking little things and neglecting weightier things, basic things like loving God and loving people. And so Jesus makes the transformative statement that the Sabbath was made for people. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is he saying? He's saying this is a blessing, not a burden. <laughs> this was meant to be a gift, and you've made it a drudge. You're ruining it. Um, imagine if I showed up and I said, hey, I want to cut your grass all summer. 
It's a gift that I want to give to you. Just consider it Pastor Josh's uh, personal lawn mowing service for you. Thank you for, uh, for watching our sermons on Sundays. I don't know. I, I'm going to give you that gift. And I show up and start cutting your grass. I said, now, you should know some things. Uh, I don't like your lawnmower. And so I'm going to need you to purchase. I've got a lawnmower, but it's a pain to bring mine. So I'm going to need you to purchase a lawnmower. And not only am I going to need you to purchase a lawnmower, I'm going to need you to make sure you pay for gas. And I like to do it in the evenings as the sun's kind of going down. So I'm going to need you to fix me dinner. And by the way, could you reimburse my mileage to and from your home? At some point, you go, wait a second. This isn't a gift. This is a burden. Uh, I think you can keep your gift, right? And that's what the Pharisees had done with the Sabbath. They had taken a good thing, a God thing, a gift that was given to man for man, and they had turned it into this burdensome, hard thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's a gift. It's for man. It, not, not, it, man wasn't created for it. It was created for man. And then Jesus says this, I am Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, I'm the boss. I'm the creator. I am the one who invented the Sabbath. I am the Lord of it. I am, I am the one who instituted this thing, so I have the right to tell you how to interpret it. I'm the one that determines whether you can pluck a head of grain out of a field or not and not only that he's saying something deeper I believe he's saying he's saying the Sabbath is about me as the Lord of the Sabbath I'm the one it points to let me read to you a quote from Tim Keller Tim Keller writes in his book King's Cross this quote when Jesus says I am Lord of the Sabbath Jesus means he is the Sabbath he is the source of the deep rest we need he has come to completely change the way we rest the one day a week rest we take is just a taste of the divine rest we need and Jesus is its source let me read to you from what Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you a rest, a deep rest for your soul. And the New Testament begins to reveal here in Matthew 11 that this deeper rest that the Sabbath points to is Jesus. And that we need to have this rest in God, this total trust. We need to stop striving for the favor of God. Stop working to try to please God in a way that earns our salvation and realize that only Christ can ultimately please God. And we need to rest in him. Uh, we need to find this rest and trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He's what the Sabbath was ultimately pointing to. He's the rest. He's the one that gives us the rest and enables us to stop trying to earn our way to heaven and stop trying to, to do good things that earn favor with God instead of doing good things because we have the favor of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus transforms everything. It's the rest that says, I believe Jesus' work on my behalf and living a sinless life, dying for my sins on the cross and being raised from the dead is enough to give me justification in the eyes of God, to declare me righteous in the eyes of God. So I, I rest from my self-righteousness. I, I rest away from, from works. And I, I rest in Christ and what he's done and who he is. The writer of Hebrews hearkened to this in chapters three and four. We read this a couple of weeks ago. Let me read to you again Hebrews four, nine and 10. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And so the gospel helps us to see that rest is this gospel, the Sabbath rest, is ultimately about Jesus. It shows us our need to rest in Christ. That those who enter rest here through faith in Christ will ultimately rest with God for eternity. Someone said it this way God rested from his creative work, right, on the seventh day. Jesus died for our sins, rose again, went and was seated at the right hand of God. 
because he has accomplished the work of redemption. He is now resting. And then one day we will rest with God for all eternity in heaven. Doesn't mean there's not work there, but the work is not draining and it's not a drudge. We will serve Christ with gladness. But in this life, we rest in Christ for salvation and then ultimately we experience eternal rest with him in glory. Now this changes everything. It changes everything in terms of how we view the Sabbath. In the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, you begin to see a shift. We now consider Jesus our Sabbath rest. He's the point of it. And as believers in Christ, we know that we're not bound by the Mosaic law of the Old Testament in the same way that the Old Testament Jews were. In fact, let me read to you what the Apostle Paul says about it in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. He says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, the Sabbath is a shadow that pointed to Christ. If you see someone, if you see a shadow come by, you know that indicates something or someone is there, right? A bird flies overhead and you see the shadow. You know that means a bird is there. The shadow's not the bird. In the same way, the Sabbath was a shadow pointing to something greater. The greater one has come. The one greater than the Sabbath. The one greater than the temple, as Jesus said. The ultimate one has come. It's Jesus. He is the ultimate substance that's pointed, that the Sabbath has pointed to. And so we ultimately Sabbath now by resting in Christ, by believing the gospel and feeding on that as rest for our souls. Now, it's so transformative that in the New Testament, the actual day of worship changes. They stop worshiping on Saturday. They start worshiping on Sunday. You can see this uh, recorded in Acts, 1 Corinthians, and Revelation. Uh, John actually refers to Sunday as the Lord's Day. And so that becomes the day that they gather for worship and they celebrate. In, and they do this because Jesus has risen from the dead on a Sunday. And they commemorate that by celebrating the resurrection every Sunday. Not just on Easter, every Sunday. And they're fueled and encouraged. And they, they find rest for their souls as they gather together and as they worship each week. And that is a time that's commanded for believers today, that we are to gather each week with other believers in worship. So what does all this mean for you and me today? What does all this mean? Old Testament versus New Testament. We look through the lens of creation, the law, and the gospel. Let me show you how to receive rest for yourself. We need to receive the principle of Sabbath rest. We're not under the law. But there's a principle, I believe, that we need to understand and apply to our lives. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. It's good for you. It's a gift. Yeah, it's a shadow, but until Christ returns, we still grow weary, we still grow tired, and we still need both worship and rest. I love what Justin Early says in his book, The Common Rule, a resource that I would recommend to you. He writes, this is why we live in a culture that can't accept Sabbath. We do not believe that work is from God and for our neighbor. Instead, we believe that work is from us and for us. It's something we pursue to become who we want to become. Our careers define us. This is the American dream. We can work our way to significance. This is what we're doing when we prove our busyness to ourselves and each other. We're trying to show that we matter, that the world wants us, and that the world depends on us. See, but as believers, we know something different. We know the gospel's transformed the way we look at all this. And Jesus has saved us from rooting our identity in our work and from our striving. And we rest in Christ. So we need to apply the principle of Sabbath rest so that the world around us can understand that there is a rhythm we're created to live in of work and rest. It, it, it's for our own good that we learn to, to rest. As the late Dr. Adrian Rogers said, the man who stops chopping wood to sharpen the axe doesn't waste time. He doesn't. And so it's good to stop chopping wood and to, and to sharpen the axe. Yeah, we're going to go back to chopping wood, but we have to stop and sharpen the axe. It's wise to regularly worship. And it's, it's, 
it's commanded that we regularly gather and worship, but it's wise to also apply this principle of rest. And so let me talk to you about how to have a, a day of worship and rest. And so uh, some, some application for that. Uh, have a day where you cease from labor. Have a day where you choose purposely a 24-hour period that you choose to cease from labor. We need to regularly have intervals of physical and mental rest. Uh, we're not God, and we need to be reminded of that by stopping and putting the work down and resting. Psalm 127, 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. God wants balance in your life. He wants you to sleep. He wants you to rest. We need a day that we cease from labor. We need times during the day where we cease from labor and where we rest and we trust that, yeah, we're working on the house. Yeah, we're watching the city, but we know ultimately God is the builder. We know ultimately God is the watcher, and we remind ourselves by resting. So have that day where you purposely choose to rest. It teaches you, and it teaches me to trust God. So we need a day to cease from labor, and we need a day to commemorate Christ and his gospel. You need to take time throughout the week to commemorate Christ and his gospel, to find that spiritual rest. I love what President um, of the Southern Baptist Convention, Pastor J.D. Greer, says. He says, one way we practice the principle of Sabbath today is to remember the gospel. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, They were remembering the fact that they had been delivered out of slavery. Well, we've been delivered out of slavery to sin and death. And and so we can reflect on and commemorate and celebrate. The tomb is empty. We've been set free. And so we need to commemorate that throughout our week. You know, weekly worship with other Christians, as I mentioned, uh, that's not a request by God. That's something he commands for us to do. And as soon as we're able to do again, we want to do that. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So that's something that's good for us. Uh, we, we need to pause throughout the week, celebrate on a joyful day, Jesus is alive, and to take the gospel and apply it to our hearts and lives with God's people. So you need, you need to take time to cease from labor, you need to take time to commemorate Christ and his gospel, and then you need to take time to charge your batteries. You need time for renewal and time to be restored. You know, one of the things that they criticized Jesus for was healing on the Sabbath. Well, in Mark 3, a man has a shriveled hand, and Jesus heals him, and unshriveled, he restores the health of his hand. And they get so mad at Jesus for doing that, he says, can you not do good on the Sabbath? Is it not lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Jesus' point was simple. This is a day to do good. It's a day, it's, it's a day to restore. It's a day to do good. I would say it's a, it's a, you need time in your week where you are restored, and you need to Carve out margin and time in your week where you can pour into and help restore others. You need to charge your batteries. Let me ask you, what charges your batteries? What, what fuels you and helps refuel you mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in all these different ways? All week, if you go, 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 you're going to burn out. You, you need time to be with God's people, to be in God's Word, but you also need time to just restore your soul. You need time to charge your batteries Take time to enjoy God's gifts. I I mentioned being outside. Take time to enjoy creation. Take time to enjoy the relationships in your life. Family, friendships, your spouse or your kids or your friends. Take time to enjoy a hobby. Uh, There's an old proverb that if you, if you, um, if you work with your hands, rest with your mind. If you rest with your, if work with your mind, rest with your hands. There's some wisdom in that. Uh, find a way to not do what you normally do. You need a day to slow down. You need a day to hang out. You need a day to rejuvenate. You need a day that builds your soul and allows your batteries to recharge. A principle of the Sabbath then is that we all need a day to cease from work, celebrate Christ, and charge our batteries. Are you doing that? Do you do, you do that? 
Do you take a day to do that even during the midst of this pandemic? Are, are you doing that? Now's a good time to begin to create new healthy patterns in your life. And I would encourage you, take time every day to do this in, a, in, in its own way. You cease from work, what, at some point? Things have to unplug, you have to go to sleep, right? Take time every day to commemorate the gospel by opening God's word, reminding yourself of who you are in Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the word of God. And take time every day to charge your batteries. Enjoy a meal with friends or family, right? Sit back and laugh. Take some time to pause and do things that will help, re- that will help restore and will help renew you each and every day so that you can prepare for the day, for the day of work the next day. Take time annually to get away. Take a vacation. And if you say, well, I can't afford a vacation. Well, take time where you're just, you don't have to go somewhere. You can do it at home. Take a staycation. But take time where you can sleep in and you can have a longer quiet time and you can spend more time at dinner and have longer walks and more time laughing and more time hanging out with those you love. We need to recharge our batteries daily, weekly, annually throughout the year. It's been noted that in the Old Testament, the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was death. And you could argue that to not rest now is just a way to slowly kill yourself. It really is. It's it's a way to slowly eat away at your life, to overwork yourself. I mean, there's all kinds of negative things that happen to your health uh, when you don't take time to rest. We need to rest. You need to rest for your own sake. But the most important thing we learn, the most important rest we need is rest in Christ. Uh, We need to cease from trying to earn favor with God, and we need to rest in what Christ has done. Have you done that? Do you have rest in Christ? Every week, remind yourself, if you're a believer in Christ, my identity's in Christ. I rest in him. I rest in him. Jesus is my source of salvation. But have you done that for the first time? Have you realized you're a sinner, turned away from your sin, and put your faith in Christ? The good news of the Bible is that Jesus has done the work for you that you could never do for yourself. You're a sinner who is deserving of the punishment that comes to sinners. Why are we separated from God? But the good news of the Bible is that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, that he sent Jesus to die for you, to live a sinless life in your place and to die on the cross bearing the punishment you deserve and three days later to be risen from the dead. And if you'll turn away from your sin, and embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can find rest for your soul. Rest in Christ. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to do enough to earn God's favor and rest in Christ and what he has done for you. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that today. If you make that decision, would you email us at info at gonorthpark.com? Just call out to him in prayer. Confess your sin. Invite Christ into your life. Confess that you believe he's the son of God that loves you, that died for you, and has risen again. Commit your life to him right now by faith. If you do that, let us know. Believer, are you resting? Are you resting in Christ like you should be? And are you giving yourself that regular time, that rhythm of work and rest? I challenge you to recalibrate your life in this season and find a way to rest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the rest we have in King Jesus. Help us to learn and to remember that we need this rest, uh, the rest that, that you, that you want to give us physically, mentally, spiritually. Obviously, we know the most important rest is the salvation rest that the Sabbath pointed us to. But also help us to apply these principles to our lives so that we can be a people that work hard for your glory and that rest well for your glory. Because, Lord, we are created as image bearers to give glory to you. So be glorified in us. In Jesus' name, amen.